The 2023-24 NBA Preview. Need I say more? It's all coming up, but first, this message. J Reels here, just passing by to send a brief reminder to please subscribe, rate, review this podcast, the J Reels Podcast, on wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's on Apple, Google, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Luminary, CastBox, all of the major platforms that are out there. Whichever one that you listen to, once again, just throw me a few stars, write a review. I would greatly appreciate it just to increase the visibility of this podcast with all the others that are out there, especially this one, which covers all sports in roughly one hour. Where else are you going to get that? So if you can go ahead and please do that, I would sincerely and gratefully appreciate it. And with that said, let's get it. The J Reels Podcast begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Let's get this sports podcast party started, all right? The J Reels Podcast. Why don't you wait until July 1st to make an announcement? What a disgrace. He can rack up all these numbers in October, November, and December, but what really counts is let me see this in January. The Sports Rebel Without a Pause, delivering fast-paced, jam-packed sports talk like no other. Listen, I gotta call it as I see it, he is not a good player. I'm sick and tired of having to deal with the disappointment of this franchise. When does it stop? And yes, another winter that I can sleep in peace. Coming correct, direct, and in full effect. Let's get it. This is the J Reels Podcast. Welcome aboard. What is happening, Michael people? Greetings. How are you? How's it going? How's everybody doing out there? What is the latest and greatest? Well, I can tell you what the latest and greatest is. The NBA season is about to raise the curtain. Later this evening, as we get ready to tip off, as fast as it was, it seemed like the Denver Nuggets just won an NBA championship against the Miami Heat. And therefore, here it is, four plus months later, getting ready to have their banner raised to the ball arena rafters and get set and embark on defending that championship as well as what the rest of the league is going to look like. Thanks for stopping by. I appreciate you. Joining me as we go pillar to post, soup to nuts on everything that's going to take place in this upcoming NBA season. And of course, it's always important for me to inform the first timer to welcome aboard. And for those who've been listening to me from the very beginning, somewhere in the middle, or even as early as yesterday, the latest podcast that came out. And if you haven't listened to it, shame on you. No, I'm kidding. Make sure you get to peep that as well to get informed on all that's happening. By now, we have a World Series matchup set, but we're not talking about that. But I understand that even if you are hours late or a day late or whatever it may be, you can still go back and check it out as I have a lot of good tidbits there, especially at NFL Week 7. But I digress. Let's cut right to the chase here with this upcoming NBA season as far as the storylines are concerned before we get into some teams, break down some over-under totals that I have for you this year. And it's a weird theme with my over-unders, especially with my overs. And even one under, it revolves... Around one number. That's right. Four of the six over-unders I chose zero in on just one number. And that one, just to tip my hand here, is 44 and a half. So just keep that in mind as we embark on that. But we'll have that, my NBA Finals prediction, you name it. I got you guys and gals covered. So let's cut right to it. The first one that comes to mind is that we have a loaded West and a not-so-loaded East. That's my storyline number one. Yeah, we could talk about teams. We could talk about, oh, is Denver going to repeat? Oh, what about Jokic? What about the? We could talk about that, but seriously, when we take a look at the landscape from 30,000 feet above and beyond, the thing that comes to mind when we break down these conferences is that the East is Boston, Milwaukee, and pretty much everybody else. Who knows what's going to happen with Philadelphia as of right this moment. James Harden, who was a no-show late at camp. And who knows what's going to happen with him. If he's just going to sit out. If he's just going to take the fine. If he's just going to wait in his living room on his couch to see if he's going to get jettisoned somewhere. And that's going to be one that in Philadelphia, as we all know, it's not blowing over well with Harden and the team. But you have to wonder if this is going to permeate from the start of the season. And they can't just cut bait. $35 million that he's on the books this year. So we have that. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more later. I know that's ad nauseum and everybody's sick about Harden. But for the rest of the Eastern Conference, what do you have? Miami? All right. They made it to the finals last year. 
But they didn't really do much to have any reinforcements. If anything, they've gone backwards. I mean, think about it. They didn't bring in Damian Lillard, which was the big rumor coming into this offseason. Obviously, we know where he ended up. And then Gabe Vincent, who is a critical piece to their team last year, especially in that finals in the Eastern Conference against the Celtics and the way he played throughout the course of those seven games. He's gone. You also have Max Struess, another key component there. He's gone. Yes, they did keep Caleb Martin, but they didn't really do much to add reinforcements. Okay, they did bring in the kid from UCLA as their number one pick who's going to add some intensity and defense, etc. and Yaquez. But besides that, this Heat team, are they going to be amongst the top two or three in the Eastern Conference when it's all said and done? I don't want to hear about Atlanta, even the Knicks, Brooklyn. All right, Cleveland may take a step or two north, even though I don't like their number. Mm, over under that is, and we'll talk about that later. But the East really has two teams and everybody else. Whereas in the West, you have Denver, of course. You have Phoenix, now with Bradley Beal from Washington to the Valley to go along with Kevin Durant, as well as Devin Booker. Golden State you can't count out because you have now Chris Paul, part of the mix there to go along with Steph, Clay, and Draymond. We could talk about the Clippers and let's see what they're going to do to possibly with a full year. And I get it that even though Kawhi Leonard played last year and even with all the load management rules, how he says that he's just going to go and dance to his own beat, which that's typical Kawhi. But the Clippers could be a team that's laying in the weeds. You can't forget about the Lakers as this could be the last go around with LeBron there in LA as they try to get back to the NBA mountaintop. You're also looking at a team as an upstart like the Oklahoma City Thunder. I understand they may not belong with the Denvers, the Phoenixes, the Golden States of the world, but they're a team that a lot of people think are going to take that next leap in a very just competitive Western Conference. So when you have those teams, and I haven't even mentioned Memphis, who's not going to have John Moran for the first 25 games, but I'm sure he's going to have a lot to prove and maybe have a chip on his shoulder with everything that's transpired. All that being self-inflicted, but... That's another indication that this Memphis team, if they're treading water after those 25 games, who knows? Maybe they take off. Maybe they'll be amongst the top two or three in the conference. And even Sacramento, who made leaps and bounds out in the Pacific and especially in the West, let's see what they could do as they had a tough first round against Golden State. And maybe that learning lesson for them last year in the postseason will be one to build on coming into this year. So when you have the contrast of the East and the West, it is really night and day. So you have to wonder, outside of Boston-Milwaukee, who else could be that team that could rise to the occasion and maybe get to a conference final? Because as of right this moment, everybody is expecting Boston-Milwaukee to play to go ahead and see who's going to represent in that conference when it's all said and done. And out West, you could have any one of those four, five, six teams that could come out of that conference and maybe make it to an NBA final. So to me, that is the storyline number one. Number two... I have to talk about the Celtics, and this will be a little bit of a preview on them because everybody knows I'm a Celtic fan. But we look at this run here, especially with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and all of these conference finals that they've been to. Of course, the one NBA final two years ago. And now it comes to a point where if they're not going to do it this year or maybe even in the next couple of years, when? Brad Stevens, who was masterful this offseason, trading away... Fan favorite and longtime Celtic Marcus Smart in a deal for Chris Stapps Porzingis, who, as we know, has talent, ability, etc. But A, you got to wonder what's in his chest and also his health hasn't been impeccable throughout his NBA career. And then late in the offseason and pretty much on the eve of training camp, he makes the big trade, Brad Stevens, that is, to bring in Drew Holiday, which reinforces their backcourt A, B, Brings in a defender that's just as good, if not better, than Marcus Smart, who was a Defensive Player of the Year winner two years ago. And then on top of that, a former Milwaukee Buck who knows the ins and outs of that team. So if they go mano a mano in the Eastern Conference Finals sometime in late May into June next year, obviously he's going to be a big factor in having this Celtic team go to places, and not only just places, but to go to Banner 18 and finally win a championship for the first time in what will be 16 years. So this team, as we all know, they've been to a conference final several times. Last year, they were down 0-3, came all the way back before putting up a dud in their building in Game 7. 
And now it's time for them to get back to a final and win it all. And I can't say if it's not this year when, but when we're looking at this upcoming year, it's finals or bust. I understand it's championship or bust when you're the Boston Celtics, one of the revered franchises in the sport. But let's get to a final first and see who we're going to play and worry about that then as opposed to them getting the crown and getting the Lawrence O'Brien trophy to be a champion sometime in the middle part of June. The second or now the third storyline going into this year has to be Damian Lillard. And the reason why I bring him up is because with this trade that we saw just a few weeks ago, him going from Portland to Milwaukee in that three-team trade with the Suns, and now Lillard, there are no excuses. He has a team that's built to win. Arguably, he could be the final piece to that buck puzzle after them losing last year in the first round the way they did. Granted that Giannis was out for two and a half games, so that was a huge factor in them not winning that first round series against Miami. And we know about them winning the title two years prior to that after losing to the Celtics in the second round there two years ago. But now for Lillard to be a part of a team that is championship ready, the pieces are in place. You have Giannis, who obviously is the franchise. And with Lillard being 1A, and I understand Milwaukee's not Philadelphia, it's not Boston, it's not New York, it's not LA. But knowing that they are already won a title in 2021, and then on top of that, for him to be brought here, To be that guy to take some of the load off of Giannis and knowing that he's going to be playing in some pressure games. Maybe not throughout the regular season. And yes, maybe those games in the regular season against the Bostons of the world and the Denvers and the LAs and teams like that. Maybe even Miami to a certain extent. Yes, those games may not be spotlighted, but they will be paying attention, whether it's myself or the basketball aficionado, to see whether or not Lillard, who can deliver and point to his wrist for Dame time, but we all know it's going to really count sometime in the spring. And to me, that is something that's not going to be monitored throughout the course of the regular season, although we will see in certain matchups and how he's going to perform. But more importantly, when the money is on the line. And that's not to say that he won't deliver. That's not to say that he can't deliver. But yes, he's not going to be buried in Portland where he could drain a 35-foot shot to beat Oklahoma City in the first round and be revered for it. That's not going to fly now in Milwaukee knowing that they want to win another championship. They brought in another guy for Giannis who talked about walking from another Supermax deal if they didn't bring in reinforcements. Well, he's there now and he's going to have to really prove his worth on a bigger stage than he did in Portland. And to me, that's an interesting storyline. Another big storyline, number four, is what's going to happen in Phoenix, considering they're the one organization that's come close in that same year against Milwaukee where they lost the final up 2-0, and they haven't been able to get back, whether they got blasted in a Game 7 against Dallas there at home where they lost by 30, and then, of course, last year where they got again embarrassed and annihilated by Denver in a Game 6 in the conference semis, and now with Durant in training camp for a full year and another year older, Devin Booker, who is the face of the organization, and even Bradley Beal, a young guy who put up big numbers in Washington, but now he's a guy, I'm not going to say he's uh, in the class of Damian Lillard, but a guy that a lot of people think that he could be that option that's going to be well needed, and even though there's only one ball to share between Durant, Booker, and Beal, but Beal could be that guy that maybe takes the Suns to bigger heights. Is that going to happen, considering that Beal has not played in a big game since the conference semis, what was it, in 2017 when they played against the Celtics? That was the Kelly Olynyk Game 7, if you recall, where Beal was a part of the Wizard team that actually made their only big run throughout the Wizard run of Wall and Bradley Beal, etc., so we're going to have to see if Beal's going to be able to be the real deal to go along with KD and Devin Booker to see whether or not Phoenix could get back to a final. And also this puts a sidebar or maybe even a 4A. Kevin Durant's legacy in the NBA. We understand he's an all-time great. We understand that he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's going to moonwalk into the Hall of Fame. I mean, please, he could retire today and he's a Hall of Famer. We know that and understand that. But other than the two titles that he won, and granted he was the best player on that team with Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, etc. 
But the thing with Durant, after that run in Golden State, he went to Brooklyn to see whether or not that he would be able to bring that organization a championship. We know that wasn't the case. And then when it was time for him to jump ship after Kyrie left in his trade to Dallas, he gets shipped to Phoenix to be that final piece to that puzzle in order for them to get to a championship and win. And we saw what happened there last year. And KD has, I believe, three more years on this deal to where he's going to have to stay healthy. And I would think that as long as he's healthy, he's going to be very productive and be arguably a top five player in the sport. But he's going to have to come away during this run and we'll start with this year with a championship. Because as much as he'll be remembered, as much as he'll be revered as an all-time great, maybe top 20 and could even maybe crack the top 10, if he doesn't come away with a championship here, that's going to put a little bit of a tarnish on that legacy. So that's one that we're going to have to pay attention to here, not just in the grand scheme of things over the next few years, but most definitely here in this upcoming 2023-24 season. And then, do I even have to bring this up as a five? This James Harden saga. Now, Philadelphia, with new coach Nick Nurse in tow, and the reigning MVP Joel Embiid, and a decent supporting cast led by Tyrese Maxey. Tobias Harris is in a contract walk year, so who knows if he's going to be dangled for a piece, maybe come the trade deadline. Harris, as we all know, He's a solid player, but definitely not worth the $30 million that he got, what was it, four or five years ago. But for the Sixers, and they need to see what they could do with this story because, as I mentioned just, what, 10 minutes ago, knowing that Harden is still a part of this team, knowing that he's still a cloud above this organization, dating back to what took place there in the end of that series against the Celtics, and then the whole entire offseason, the disrespect and also... The disloyalty by a one Daryl Morey, the GM, who were pretty much hand-in-hand with Harden going back to his days in Houston. And now that that's irreparable and knowing that he doesn't want to be a part of this team and he's going to baby his way out of Philadelphia, when does that happen? Is it going to happen before tomorrow night? Is that going to happen at some point in the first month of the season? And as long as he's going to be part of the discussion in Philadelphia until they get rid of him and how and what team would trade for him as I talked about on several podcasts here over the past few months believe you me even if Harden was for free if I'm an organization an owner that if the Sixers said we're going to pay his $35 million contract coming into this year and anything after that it's all on you I still wouldn't take him But you know there's going to be some owner out there that's going to take him, whether he goes back to Houston or whatever, and that would be a mistake for the Rockets because I'm sure the last thing that new coach Ime Odoka wants is to have James Harden on his team when he has a bunch of young guys that he wants to build, that he wants to be able to nurture and go through the rigors of an NBA season to where maybe two or three years and a couple of more draft picks in tow that they could be a team that maybe could make some hay out west where you have older guys a la Durant, a la LeBron, and I know there's a player or two that I'm missing, maybe to a certain extent, Steph Curry, Chris Paul, when they're on their way out, maybe Houston could move up the ranks in the Western Conference to maybe be competitive, and who knows, by the end of the decade, could be in competition for an NBA title. So if I'm a Doka, the last person I want on my team is Harden. But for Philadelphia, this could happen sooner than later, but until he's gone and good riddance out of the city of brotherly love, this is going to be a distraction, even if he's nowhere near the facility, the arena, etc. So that's what you have as far as some of these storylines that I'm looking at coming into this season. And yes, we could talk about various teams. We could talk about who's on the come up, who's a team that may be on the downswing, uh, what team is maybe going to be a little bit more respectable. And I know it's tough because in the NBA, when we look at it, as always, for all 30 NBA teams, it's tricky to separate the contenders from the pretenders because we know what teams are going to be there when it's all said and done. And I guess this would be the last storyline. I would think off the top of my head that you'd have at least six teams that could win an NBA title this year. Boston, Milwaukee, Denver, Phoenix. I'm even going to say the Lakers, but that is contingent on the health of a one LeBron James, and even Anthony Davis, as I've said time after time, 
To me, the Lakers go when Davis is healthy. If he's going to be out for any significant amount of time, then LeBron has to shoulder a lot of that load. And therefore, at his age, even though he's bionic and comes from another planet, but even he can't manage minutes and workload and just do it all by himself when he's going to turn 39 years of age come December 30th in a couple of months. And then the other team I think that could win number six is the Golden State Warriors. And I don't even think that they're going to be a team. Yes, I get it out of respect. You got to put them there. And even though they're older, that trade Chris Paul for Jordan Poole, when it was all said and done, we understand that that was more to placate Draymond Green to bring him back as far as him signing on a dotted line again. And I don't think that Poole, not to say that he was a guy that the Warriors are going to bank on for years to come. But to me, that's a trade where they did more with their heart than their head. So I don't know if they're going to have another finals run in them, even with Chris Paul starving to get his first NBA title. And maybe with this group here, the aforementioned Troika of Steph Clay and Draymond, maybe they could get there. But I don't really see it, to be honest with you. But I have to throw them in the mix just for respect's sake to be one of the six teams I think that could win it all. Because after that, can the Clippers do so? To me, again, that all boils down to health. And not even just with Kawhi Leonard, but also Paul George as well. And I understand they got some decent parts there that will come off the bench. And with Ty Lue, who as we all know is a very good coach. But again, when you have to manage those personalities and have to manage what Kawhi is going to do on a day-in, day-out basis... And I know it's going to be frustrating for a guy like Lou because I'm sure if Kawhi or even Paul George is healthy but they feel like they want to sit out, the player is going to end up taking over and therefore you're going to have a situation where you're going to have Kawhi playing somewhere along the lines of 55 to 60 games and he'll be ready come April, May, and June but is that going to be enough for them to get themselves to a conference final and an NBA final to boot? I don't think so. So that's what we have there. I know that there are a lot of teams, some young teams that we could look at here that could maybe do a thing or two. And I'm not trying to say that they're going to make the playoffs or anything like that. But when you look at young cores in Orlando, when you look at a young core in Houston, as I mentioned, even a young core in Detroit, you would like to see those organizations take a step and hopefully they could get to maybe in the mid-30s, maybe on a great year they get to the low 40s and sneak in the back door to maybe get an 8th seed. But we have to wait and see whether or not Cade Cunningham, remember he didn't play almost all of last year for Detroit. So you have to wonder how he's going to perform here in which would be his third year in the NBA. And then with Udoka in Houston, again, a lot of growing pains. And we all know the type of coach that he is. Off the court stuff, you got to put aside. But for Udoka, who I think is a very good fit there for Houston, can the Rockets maybe be a team that could be hanging around the fringe come late March into April? I don't know, maybe not this year, I would think maybe next, but you have those type of teams that I think could be surprising when we talk about the NBA landscape because the dregs of the league, we would think the San Antonio's, and I understand that that's also a storyline too, people are going to say, Jay, what about Victor Wembanyama? Right, Wembanyama, we know he's going to be a guy that's going to get a lot of attention, I'm sure he's going to get a lot of just appeal when it comes to the national landscape. I understand they're not going to be on every other night, but Wembenyama, everybody's going to wait and see what he's going to do. But the sad part about it is, as much as we're going to pay attention and want to put the onus on seeing how this player is going to perform in a league that, are they going to go after him? Are they not going to let him just have a red carpet to the basket or just play off of him? Who knows? If this was the NBA 25, 30 years ago, I think it'd be a different story. Obviously, with the way the rules are, you would think it would benefit Wembenyama more than it did a generation ago. And it's not to even knock the teams today, but we know the NBA is such a different sport where it plays from the outside in. And when you have a guy that's seven foot four, you would think that they would try to mix and match. Yes, we know he can shoot the three. Yes, you could probably post him up. Yes, you could probably have him play from five feet in. I'm sure he would be able to dominate on all facets and aspects of the game and the one coach that could get it out of him Popovich you kind of wonder what they're going to do here are they going to turn the league upside down not necessarily this year but are they going to play more inside out as he develops as he gets into his NBA career 
I get it that it's not for this year, but that's why Wembenyama, to me, hasn't been one of those top storylines, although everybody's going to watch and see how this kid's going to perform, but I can't look at him as of right this second to be a one, two, or three storyline in the league because San Antonio, in all likelihood, is probably going to win 30 games this year. And that's going to go along with the Charlotte Hornets of the world, the teams that are probably going to be rearing up the end, the Wizards, the Trailblazers, etc. So that's why I didn't make any mention of Wembenyama earlier. But now as we get into it, with a lot of the machinations here when it comes to what can we expect from this upcoming year, and obviously we talked about those storylines, but to me, the other thing that I have to look at here with the league, and I understand when we look at just the entire view of this league, the one thing that's, you got to wonder whether or not it's going to work. And probably this should have been one of my top storylines. So uh, forgive me, that's my bad here. That maybe should have been somewhere two, three, or at least in the top three is this in-season tournament that's going to take place from the early part of November. And I believe it's going to culminate December 7th through the 9th in Vegas with the semifinals and then the finals. And how this is going to go If you ask me right now, I couldn't even tell you, but they're trying to generate buzz and attention in the early part of this NBA season. As we all know, the NBA, a lot of people, other than maybe opening night or maybe the first few days of the NBA season where it will land in the consciousness of the sports fan and maybe there will be some that will look at it only because they're on a Tuesday and Wednesday night where there's no NFL football, but once you get to Thursday... The games aren't on TNT, or I believe maybe you have a smattering of games on TNT early on, but as we know, when the NFL season is going to take precedence over anything, nobody's going to watch TNT on a Thursday night to see what doubleheader is going to play. So for this in-season tournament, is it going to really be a boon? Is it going to be one that's going to pull the attention of the sports fan away from some of the other sports, or maybe to the point where... It does happen to catch on and people will follow and get into where a lot of people don't pay attention to the NBA up until about Christmas Day. And as we all know this year, it's going to go up against the NFL again, although there are bad games in the NFL. Because if you look at the schedule there, and I don't know off the top of my head, I know you have Eagles and Giants, one of those games on Christmas. The nightcap, I believe it's the early game. I think it's Vegas and Kansas City. They're not great games, trust me. But even then, you can have the worst matchups in the NFL for those three games on Christmas and they'll do 10 times better than what the NBA will do on regular TV than the NFL will. So this in-season tournament, I can't tell you at this very moment what it's going to do or how it's going to play out. It's going to be tricky to say the least. And I hope it works for the NBA. I'm going to, as we get closer to it, and this is going to be just in a couple of weeks when you think about it, With the season starting today on the 24th, and I believe it's going to start November the 5th or 6th, maybe two weeks from today, because I know that the whole tournament is a month, and it's a little convoluted and complicated as to how they're going about this with the six different brackets and the five teams, or I think it's five brackets, six teams, whatever. But we're going to see how this shakes down, and hopefully it does well. I don't want to just dump on it and just say, ah, this is terrible, me being a traditionalist. Who cares what I have to say about it? Let's give it a shot. Let's see how it goes. And maybe here we are around Thanksgiving. It may have a little bit of juice and may have a little bit of carryover to the point where we may be looking forward to see who's going to have this in-season tournament or who's going to be in the semifinals and in the final there for a, what is it? I think it's called the NBA Cup or regular season cup. I don't even know. But whatever gimmick that they want to use or want to try, listen, if it's going to garner any attention then so be it because the NBA needs it and then some. Especially when the NFL is just going to swallow it whole when it's all said and done. So those are the big storylines here as we go into this season. And yes, we could talk about Denver. Are they going to repeat? Oh, what's going to happen with this team? What's going to happen with that team? Break down the visions and things of that nature. I want to go a different route. And that's why to me with the storylines and what teams I think will do well and what teams I don't, it's going to be intriguing to say the least. And even as I mentioned, whether it's Celtics, Bucks, the last hurrah for the Lakers, what's going to happen there in Phoenix? Can Denver repeat? Absolutely. Are they going to repeat? I don't think they will. I think they'll be competitive. I think that they will go a long way. They may even make it to the final. 
But I don't think they're going to win it because it's really hard to go back-to-back in the NBA as we've seen here because the last time we've seen a team go back-to-back were the Miami Heat there in 2012-13 when they beat the Oklahoma City Thunder and the San Antonio Spurs. So let's see whether or not Denver is going to be that team. That I will break down as far as what my NBA Finals will be. So we'll talk about that. And I even mentioned some of those surprises, those teams that could rise. A team that I think may take a step or two back. I got to start with the Sixers. And only because of this situation with Harden. Now, if they could get rid of him sooner, great. What they're going to get back is beyond me. And you know that even with Harden and his talent still very good, but certainly not Apex Harden as you saw there in Houston five, six, seven years ago. But I don't know what they're going to get in return at this juncture, knowing that they have to get rid of this guy. And yes, they're going to get something back, but they're not going to get anything close to what they would deem to be equal or even less than that to plug into the lineup and see if they could get anything, even on his best day, close to what Harden could put out there on a basketball court. So I think the Sixers, and then with Nick Nurse there, and Embiid, who finally won his MVP, who he's been lobbying for the last few years, now that he's got that on his mantle, is the hunger, is the desire, is that all going to be there? Now as you get to the season and who knows how this hard thing's going to unfold and knowing that he's probably going to have to be the guy to carry this team, he's not going to have that sidekick like Harden or even Ben Simmons in years past, he may not have a guy like that. So what do you do if you're Embiid and body language? We all know that prior to last year, as great as he is, he's been a front runner type player. And who knows, if he can't carry the load, if he's not going to be able to shoulder that responsibility on a night-in, night-out basis to be the guy to say, give me the basketball, I'm taking us home, I don't care if I have to run over 20 guys on the court. Is he going to have that type of mentality? Because we know he doesn't really have that persona. He doesn't have that assassin's look in his eye when it comes to just saying, hey, I am the face of this franchise, and guess what? By hook or by crook, no matter how this is going to get done, I'm going to be the guy that's going to take us to the promised land. And if that's going to be the case, so be it. So I think Philly could be a team that's going to take a step back. And then in the Western Conference, I know I mentioned Golden State. I can't say they're going to take a step back. I do wonder about Sacramento, though. And Sacramento, when I say take a step back, I'm not saying they're not going to make the postseason. But with the Kings... You wonder whether or not if they're a one-hit wonder. Now, you would think that they're going to play well. You would think that last year was a big-time learning experience. They were hovering in the 2-3 seed all year. And unfortunately, generally in a year where a team is in the third seed, the sixth seed is usually a team that they would be able to play well against, whether it be like a Minnesota, maybe even Oklahoma City Thunder, a team that doesn't really have that playoff experience or maybe has the equal amount of experience where you know that as Sacramento being a three seed that they will go up against the likes of a team that may be a little bit better than them or in this case right on par with what Sacramento is or even below that but of course they went up against Golden State who at the time were the defending NBA champs and we saw what happened there in that seven game series and you would think that they would look to build on that and in my gut I think that they can but you wonder whether or not this team is going to have that same oomph, is going to have that same motivation, that same desire. You would think so, but with the conference loaded as it is, as I mentioned 10, 15, 20 minutes ago, I don't know if they're going to be a team. They'll make the playoffs, I think, but will they be in the top three? Not to say that they're going to fight for a one seed, but will they be a team that will be in the upper echelon of the West, or will they just be somewhere in the middle or at the bottom rung of the playoff bracket when it comes to the Western Conference. And remember, you do have that 7-10 through 10 range, which will help. But still, when I look at the playoffs and I look at teams that are making it into the postseason, I'm looking 1-8. through eight. And I understand you do have to include 7-10 through 10 because whomever comes out of that then qualifies for 1-8. through eight, But you understand where I'm coming from. So that's what you have there as far as my teams that could maybe take a step up. Houston, Orlando, maybe Detroit. And then the teams that could take a step back, Philadelphia, Sacramento. Now, let me get to my over-under win totals. This should be fun when you think about it. But 
I picked three overs, three unders, and that's what I have here. And if you recall a little while ago, I mentioned that there is one theme here when it comes to these over-unders, and it's the number 44 and a half. And trust me, people, I wasn't trying to look for an angle. I wasn't trying to look for a scenario where I just had one number in mind and let me see how this is all going to play out as far as me picking these over-under win totals. I didn't want to take the obvious. You think I'm going to take Boston as an over, or Milwaukee, or... Phoenix, Denver, Uh, to me those are the safe ones. I wanted to pick teams that were somewhere in the middle. I wanted to pick teams that could go either way or could be right at that number to challenge myself a little bit because last year I was 5-1. and My one loss was Utah. And think about it. They traded Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and brought in a first-time head coach in Will Hardy who was 34 years of age. Their number was 24 and a half. Why wouldn't I have thought that the team would be more of an under- than an over, and as it was, they were an over by, I believe, sometime in late January, or maybe even early February for that matter. So that was my one bad pick. So now I'm going to try to streamline it to where everything is pretty much in synergy, although there are a couple that are a little bit higher than the 44.5 number. So let me get right to it. My overs for this year, I'm picking Oklahoma City Thunder as an over. I think they're a team that, although... They got to go through the rigors. They got to go through the ups and downs. I think they could be this year's Sacramento where they're going to take that leap. They could be somewhere between two and five, maybe end up at three. I understand that they would have to win a division in that regard, but that division does have Dallas. They do have, let me just make sure because I sometimes I get my divisions all mixed up and I think they're in one division and when we find out that is definitely not the case. But for Oklahoma City, who is going to have a lot of promise this year, and a lot of people, I'm sure, have picked them as a trendy pick. A team that could make some hay, that could do some damage, and Oklahoma City, as of right to second, they're in the Northwest, not in the Southwest, where at first I thought off the top of my head that's where they were in as far as the division goes, but they're going to go up against Denver, and chances are Denver's going to be your division winner, not that that matters in the NBA, but... They do reseed based on record, so we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But like I said, two through five, maybe they'll be somewhere three to five. And with that team and the way they're constructed, I really truly think that's led by, of course, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He's a guy that could end up being an all-NBA player, maybe not in the first team, but I would think second team. And that's going to be a team that a lot of people are going to rally around and think that they're going to make some hay here in this NBA season. Now, of course, we all know injuries, everything's going to play a part of that, obviously understood. But I think when you have him there and you have also Josh Giddy, who is the Robin to SGA's Batman, and they have a very good squad, a very deep squad, and they're only going to get better with all those draft picks that they got going back to that Paul George trade as we all know from a few years back. But Oklahoma City, I think at 44.5, that is a safe pick for them to be an over, to be a team that is going to be competitive out West, a very loaded West as we all know. But with those two guys there, and remember, Chet Holmgren, who did not play all of last year and has played very well here in this early part of preseason and even dating back to the Summer League for whatever that's worth. So when you throw him in there, that's like adding another number one pick to your roster. I think that they're going to have a big year and they maybe could push 50 games when it's all said and done. So they're my pick number one. Also at 44 and a half, I'm going to pick the Minnesota Timberwolves. And it's funny because they play in the same division as the Thunder. But I think with Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, I know Gobert's a guy I can't really trust. I know he's more defensive, etc. They just signed Jalen McDaniels, who's also a very good defensive player, to a big-time contract today. I believe, what, uh, 5 for $135 million. So they got him in the mix. Now, with them, it's just a matter of corralling that energy, the maturity, even more so, and being able to be a team that's going to play cohesive, that's going to be efficient, that's... Going to have players that know their role. We understand that this is Carl Anthony Towns' team, but is Anthony Edwards thinking that, uh-uh, I'm the best player in this team, so therefore I'm the going to be the face of the franchise or the go-to guy in crunch time? What's going to happen there when the T-Wolves, when the money is on the line and you need a big basket, 
Who is it going to boil down to? I would think it's Anthony Edwards more so than Carl Anthony Towns. But one more time, I think this is a scenario where the Timberwolves, they should be able to eclipse 44 and a half. Maybe even if it's just a smidge. Maybe if they get 46, 47. And they could also be underachieving too. But I'm going to roll the dice and pick the T-Wolves to be 44 and a half as an over. And then my third over at 44 and a half. And I know this is dangerous based on what I said before, but again, the culture, the hunger, trying to get back there, considering that last year they were, I'm not going to say close because Denver was a better team, but Miami, who I believe were 44 and 38 last year as an eight seed, we understand and know that they're better than that. So even if they win 48, even if they win 46, 44 and a half, that's a number that they should be able to achieve. And who knows what's going to happen. Maybe Pat Riley has something up his sleeve. I doubt it that he would be part of the James Harden sweepstakes. If he does, he's off his rocker. But we know Pat Riley, he is a magician. He may even get the best out of James Harden if that happens to be the case. And I'm not trying to throw that out there as a rumor. But hey, stranger things have happened. And I'm sure he may be able to get Harden for nothing at this point. When you think about it. But with that being said, I think Miami, because of their pedigree... And because of the way they're built, and that coach, 44 and a half, I'd have to take him as an over. If they were at 48 and a half, I'd be scared. I'd be like, nah, I'll stand pat. I'll walk away. That's not one that I will go to. But Miami, 44 and a half is an over. I will pick them. And then my unders, sticking with that number. I'm not making this up, people. I'm picking four total out of my six teams at 44 and a half. The first under being New Orleans. What is going to happen here with Zion Williamson? And you would think that this team should be a storyline considering that for all the reports, Zion is raring to go. You would think that this should be a year where maybe New Orleans could take off a little bit. And remember, New Orleans got off to a good start last year, but then we understand how that season unfolded. And 100%, we get it that it's all going to bank on number one and his health. But that's the thing. He's never been healthy. Can the guy stay healthy? And I hope I'm wrong with this because I want to see him healthy. It'll be great for the league. It'll be great for just the Western Conference to have another team that you could throw in the mix. But I can't trust his health. And not only that, but you also got to wonder what's between his ears. Remember what he said toward the end of last year and even after the season. Oh, I wasn't 100% Zion, although I was 100% physically ready to play. What? If you're physically ready to play, but you're not Zion ready, whatever that means, you got to play, son. So, just that, and I love the coach, Willie Green. I love what he's done down there. Brandon Ingram is another guy that always gets injured, and they have some very good role players, the Herb Joneses of the world, and they have a squad that could possibly do some damage when healthy. C.J. McCollum is a guy that's a marksman from deep and knows his way around the NBA. Please, he's the player president of the association there. So, that's a guy that you want to have on your team, not only on the court, but also representing you off the court. So they have all the pieces in place, but it's a matter of them putting it together. And for whatever the reason, I don't want to just put it all on one player, but sadly, that's what's the case there down in the Big Easy where if Zion's not going to be healthy, this team's not going to go very far or at least very deep if they make it into the postseason. So 44 and a half, I'm picking them as an under. Number two, I'm picking Philadelphia. And I know this is risky. But for everything that I mentioned, and not to rehash it all, I'm going to say at 47 and a half, I think they're going to be slightly below that. You got to wonder about the hunger of Joel Embiid. He finally got his MVP. Does he want to go back to back? Does he want to be putting that echelon with Giannis and Jokic as his contemporaries to be a guy that's won back to back MVPs here in this recent stretch of NBA play? I don't know. And again, this isn't to knock his intestinal or testicular fortitude but if things start to go awry if things they start off let's say I don't know four and six is Embiid going to say oh the hell with this I'm going to take this team and it's my team and I'm going to do some damage and just wreak havoc for the team that's in front of me or is he going to be a guy that's going to play it safe and be like you know what I don't know if I want to do this tonight or he's going to float in and out of these games as he has done in the past Not in the recent past, but he has done that in the past. The front runner that he's been. So, 
This could be a little bit scary. And Nick Nurse, who's respectable, won a title in Toronto. But is this going to be a decent marriage, let alone a good marriage, to have Nurse come in there, to have to deal with Embiid, to have to deal with the specter of Harden. And even if Harden gets traded as I speak, and therefore would have to uplift that giant mass of negativity and just the stench of Harden, etc., but is that going to be enough for them to have a big season? And a big season meaning that they're going to win 50, 52 games. Could it happen? Absolutely. They have the talent. But again, is it going to be enough for them to win 48 games? Honestly, my gut tells me that they may eclipse that. But I would not be surprised if it goes the other way around. And I'm going to compare this pick to last year when I picked Phoenix as an under. Because I felt that, and this was before they traded for Durant. I just felt that. The loss against Dallas the year before in the conference semifinal and then coming into this year, or last year at the time, I just didn't think at that moment that everything was going to click the way it had the last couple of years, even with Chris Paul there and Booker and even DeAndre Ayton. And as you saw there, they underachieved. So I could see this being my Phoenix pick of last year and that's why I'm choosing Philadelphia at 47.5 as an under. And then I get it that the Eastern Conference is weak. I get it that it's a conference that As I mentioned, Boston, Milwaukee, and maybe everybody else. But for the Cleveland Cavaliers, who got ousted by the Knicks in the first round in five games, their number is 50 and a half, and I like their team. I like Donovan Mitchell, I like Evan Mobley, I like Darius Garland, I love Jared Allen. They have a very good squad, and I love the coach, J.B. Bickerstaff. How could you not? You want to root for this team in the post-LeBron era where they've been muddling around, they haven't done well, yes, they've been on the come up here the last couple of years, they got ousted there in the in-season, or not in-season, in the playing tournament there two years ago, they made it into the postseason last year, fell by the wayside, as I mentioned, in five to the Knicks, you would think that they would take a next step to maybe get to a conference semis, maybe win 52 games, I don't see it, because I think there needs to be some maturity on that team as well, not as much as Minnesota, but I do feel that 50 and a half, that number's high. I think they may come close to it. They may eclipse it in the final week of the season. Watch them go 51-31 and 31 and burn me. But I thought that number was high. And I believe I picked them last year as an over. And off the top of my head, I want to say that number was 46 and a half. And they may have won 50 last year, now that I think about it. But if they won 50 last year, and I believe Vegas thinks that, all right, if they won 50, they're going to go over that this year. I don't know, not so fast. So that's also a little bit of a risk. But you know what? Again... I didn't want to pick the obvious. I didn't want to go Denver, Lakers, Celtics, Bucks, this team, that team. Uh Uh-uh. For some reason, when I saw Oklahoma City and I saw that number, if you listened to the podcast yesterday, I said, "Mm, I'm going to pick them. And then next thing you know, as I'm looking through the list of over-unders, I said, Minnesota, I think they could eclipse that. 44.5. Miami, wow, that's kind of low, even though they had that number last year. 44.5. Wait, New Orleans, 44.5 as well. And for whatever the reason, that was the theme for my over-unders this year. So therefore, that's what I have. And then Philly, 47.5. Cleveland, 50.5. So one more time to recap. My overs, OKC, Miami, Minnesota, 44.5. My unders, New Orleans, 44.5. Philly, 47.5. And Cleveland, 50.5. And And my NBA Finals. I hate to do this. And rarely do I ever even pick my team. I just don't. And Joe Missoula, I understand that they brought in a lot of reinforcements there. Sam Cassell, a lot as far as assistant coaches go. They even brought in Jeff Van Gundy as an advisor, consultant to the team. And not to say that that's automatically going to put them into the NBA Finals. But like I said, this team is built to win in these next two years. And not just get to a final, but to win. I'm picking Boston out of the East. And I'm going to say Phoenix. I think Phoenix, I'm sure there's going to be something burning within Durant. I'm sure he's probably heard a lot of the whispers, a lot of the talk last year about, oh, he's jumping ship, legacy, this, that. And we're going to see Durant. We know what he's built and what he's about. I get that. But again, legacy. And knowing that he has to still kind of wipe off what happened there in Brooklyn, not that it was all his fault. But remember, he also requested a trade last summer to get out of there when he signed a four-year $198 million deal. So he has that hanging over his head, which I understand he's going to brush that off and he's probably not even thinking about it, but I'm sure in a boring moment or two, he's probably thinking like, "Uh uh-uh, I got to show and prove that the reason why 
I came to Phoenix just to win a title and I want to shut everybody up to know that I didn't need Steph Curry, I didn't need Klay Thompson, I didn't even need Kyrie Irving and all we got was to a conference semifinal there a few years ago when they lost to the Bucks, when the big toe of Kevin Durant was on the three-point line where they could have had an opportunity to go to the conference final and instead were ousted in seven games. Boston-Phoenix, a rematch of the 76 championship if you recall. And I'm picking the Celtics to win in six. I hope I don't bite my tongue when it comes to that pick because I do not like to pick my teams. But I'm not picking Milwaukee. I'm not going to pick them. I'm not picking anybody else in the East. And in the West, I know people are probably going to think that the Nuggets are going to go back. Maybe even the Lakers for some strange reason. Hey, I'll take Boston Lakers. Why not? To have the rivalry renewed in a final. But I don't know. Something tells me Phoenix. And then with Beal, I know he's got... Something to prove too. Know that he's finally on a good team for the first time in his career. So I'm picking Boston Phoenix as my NBA final. That'll do it, my good people. NBA preview in the books. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you so much for consuming this content. You don't know how much it just goes without saying how much I appreciate you carving out precious time out of your day to listen to what it is I have to say about what goes on in the NBA and then some. If you haven't done so, please subscribe, rate, review. Throw me a few stars, write a review. That's going to go a long way in getting the word out to increase the visibility of this podcast with all the others that are out there. And then on top of that, if you want to hit me up on any of my socials, follow me on my YouTube channel, at J Reels, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, the J Reels Podcast, the old-fashioned way, or excuse me, X Twitter as well, J Reels 1, just the number. And then the old-fashioned way, question, comment, suggestion, the J Reels Podcast at gmail.com. Hit me up. I'll be more than happy to follow up with you guys and gals because whether you do or do not know, This is what I love to do, people. It's in the blood. It's in the DNA. As I like to say, sports is in every fiber of my being. If you can't tell by listening into this microphone through your earbuds, headphones, or speakers, then I don't know what else to tell you, people. But you know, each and every time I'm coming with fire, passion, energy, fury, with nothing but my thoughts, opinions, critiques, praises, feelings on anything and everything. That happens on the world of the diamond, ice, gridiron, hardwood, golf course, racetrack, tennis court, boxing ring, octagon, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. From the South Bronx to South Beach to South Center to South Pacific and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. And until next time on the J Reels podcast, on the flip, baby. <laughs>